The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. There was a lawyer who, to disconcert Jesus, stood up and said to him, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You have answered right, said Jesus. Do this, and life is yours. But the man was anxious to justify himself and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was once on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of brigands. They took all he had, beat him, and then made off, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be traveling down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite who came to the place saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion when he saw him. He went up and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He then lifted him on his mount, carried him to the inn and looked after him. Next day, he took out two denarii and handed them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and on my way back, I will make good any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who fell into the brigand's hands? The one who took pity on him, he replied. Jesus said to him, go and do the same yourself. The Gospel of the Lord. As I said, bearing the name of Christ is a big responsibility. I mean, it's a tremendous honor. There's no greater honor on this earth. And yet, it probably rightly makes us anxious because it's a, it's a high bar of love to measure up to. And when we fall short of that bar, which invariably we will do from time to time because we fatigue and we, we, we're prone to all sorts of poor negotiation of, of our circumstances. And so we come up short. And what we'll find more often than not it is it's not the community of faith who says, hey, you're bearing the name of Christ. It's the world that says, hey, wait a minute, aren't you the guys who love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength? Don't you love your neighbor as yourself? Isn't that your faith? I mean, it's a harsh criticism, but in a way they're right, aren't they? This is what we profess. It's a high bar to rise to. I, I say this often, so I'm sorry if you're sick of me saying it, but I'm going to say it again. The liturgy is alive. You've heard me say that before. The liturgy is alive. What do I mean by that? Because I say it a lot. What I mean is we gather here not to perform stagnant old rituals, but really before we even had the bright idea to come here, the spirit who is present has stirred us and brought us to gather, has gathered us as body of Christ to hear God's word yet again, to be fed, to be nourished, to be sent out again. And therefore, it's always odd. I find it so striking when we hear something unexpected, like we're in the middle of July, and what did we just hear in our first reading? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the fifth book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, way back in the Old Testament. Why are we hearing that? Why is that what the church wants us to hear at this point in time? Isn't it bizarre? But it's, 
it's timely. It's timely for us, where we are in the world today, where we are probably in our own lives. I don't know that, but the liturgy does. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hearing it right now. What is Deuteronomy? Well, it's a book of the law. It's a book of the law that Moses gave to his people. It's three long sermons. One where he's recalling the, the long history of Israel coming out of slavery, going through the, the desert and coming close to the promised land. They're not there yet, but they're coming. Then the second sermon is sort of driving home the law and saying, please, you must be faithful to this. It's been given to you. It's not out of your reach. It's not up in the heavens. It's not across the sea. It's here. You've received it. And then the third sermon, which is a consolation, is, look, it's a, it's a hard law. So even if your fidelity breaks, please don't bank on that. But God's fidelity is enough to make up the difference. And then we hear of Moses passing the baton on to Jonathan, uh, Joshua, rather, the next, the next leader of Israel. So we're hearing this now. And I think it's timely for us. Because really... As Christians, we are people of the word. We've inherited this thing. And the church is saying to us now, in July of 2022, press into the word again. Press into that. Be marked by it. Brandish it on your imagination, on your passions, on your plans, everything. This is meant to be your criteria for thinking and living. And the world is going to judge you by it anyway. Um, now, how do we get to know the word? Because I just want to say one thing with regard to real familiarity and sort of things that are prone to run stagnant. And I say this to myself, this is a bit of a confession, but I've, my time in isolation taught me that my prayers have become very robotic, very robotic. And it was really embarrassing having so much time to pray and it was so flat, if, I, if I'm very honest. I don't need to tell you that, but I, but I will. Um, I've been challenged in my own prayer life being alone with God and thinking, yeah, this is pretty hollow because <laughs> um, busyness gets first priority. Anyway, what is familiarity with the word? And I, and I want to say this. It's got to be more than memorizing Bible verses. Is that a good exercise? Of course it is. You know, we write these words on our heart and our mind. They strike us in different ways for different reasons and we commit them to memory. That's good. But think of your closest loved one. And just imagine if your relationship with them was basically memorized words that they've said. Oh yeah, you know, so-and-so once said this. They often say that. Well, I think that would have to be a pretty shallow relationship at its, when it comes to it. Now we have to know more than the quotes of the Bible. We have to sort of look through the words and encounter the mind that's there. Second thing I'd say is we should be aware of overly simplistic reductions of the faith. And I think we all do this. I do this. I find myself saying this. But little adages like, all we need to do is be more welcoming. Or all we need to do is cling on to the truth more firmly. Or all we need to do is X, Y, Z. I mean, all those things are true. But if that's our faith, like that is it, then why are we reading Deuteronomy? <laughs> and, and like today, by the way. So this book isn't out of date. We're here to look at old stuff made new. It's made present again in our, in our midst, proclaimed as if for the first time. No, if we want to know the word, and this is the challenge to all of us, and it's a challenge to myself, we're going to have to 
Be very serious about abiding with him in a kind of wasteful way. Lord, this is your time. You're the, you're the planner. I'm just present to you because you're always present to me. And we let him sort of take the lead in that. And whatever happens next is, well, we'll see. But it's no longer our initiative or our, even our responsibility after that. But we hand, the, we hand the whole thing over and the Lord takes the lead. I want to share a story that I remember Father Brian Hannafin sharing with me and it's stuck in my memory. You know, I was a teenager once, so I'm saying this to the few teenagers I can see in the room, but there was a time when I was pretty, pretty drifty at Mass. You know, I'd be there and I'd just, I'd just enjoy it for whatever enjoyable thing was there. <laughs> but um, for whatever reason, I heard Father Brian say this this time, this day. He said, uh, look, we always have the temptation. We come to Mass and we've got the hymns and the readings, and then the priest says something and we think, okay, I can relax a little bit now. And he called it downtime. And he said, if I can just encourage you, don't um, stay with me, stay with me. And for whatever reason, by grace, I heard Father Brian say that. And I said, all right, Brian, I'm with you. I didn't call him Brian back then, but I do now. Um, and he shared this story. And for all I know, he shared it on this day because it marries well with the readings. He's talking about the name of God. The story goes like this. It's a bit of a parable. I don't know where he heard it. But the story goes like this. God is in heaven. And he has his greatest treasure, which is his name. It's an unknowable name. Like we, it's, we have that tetragrammaton, Y-H-A-H thing, you know, which we very irresponsibly translate to Yahweh. But if you've noticed, we've taken that out of our hymns because we're not supposed to say this name. It's, it's an unsayable, unknowable, non-linguistic name. It doesn't even belong in time and space. Anyway, Father Brian didn't say all this stuff. <laughs> this is Ashwin stuff. Father Brian says, God's got his name. And he's thinking, this is my, my treasure that I want to give to my beloved sons and daughters. And I want them to find it, but not too early, because they won't understand it, and they'll trample on it. But I do want them to eventually find it when they're ready. So I need to hide it somewhere. Where do I, where do I place this? And one angel says, why don't you put it at the bottom of the sea? You know, they'll never think to look there. And God says, no, these, these humans are pretty industrious. They're pretty innovative. They make vehicles and things, so they'll make vessels that can go down to the sea and they'll find it, and they won't be ready, and they'll trample it underfoot. Another angel says, well, why don't you put it on the backside of the moon? They can't go there, they're on Earth. And God says, no, no, no. These, these You don't know, they're very innovative. You know, If they can make sea vessels, they can make space ones too. They'll get up in outer space, they'll go to the moon, they'll find it. They'll trample it underfoot. Then he says, I know where I'll put it. Where? I'll put it in their heart. I'll put it in the bottom of their heart. Because they'll never think to look there. But if they do, they'll be ready. Because you can't go down there prematurely. You can't go down there violently. You sort of have to peaceably, peaceably just recede down beneath the mess and the chaos and the busyness and the cacophony and you find this place of deep serenity and God has desired to write his name there and not just desired but he's done it he's hidden it there for all of us if I can invite you please to close your eyes for a moment close your eyes and go down into your heart 
down beneath the noise, down beneath everything you've had to worry about today or this week or this month or this year, down into the sacred stillness of that sanctuary that is your inner inner life, your interiority. And if I could paint a bit of a picture there, I'd like you to see a sanctuary in the truest sense of the word, which means it looks a bit like where we're gathered right now. If that's the case, then your most fondly held memories and your most cherished hopes, those might be like the candles and the altar cloths and the linen and the things adorning the space. And they might say, your reason and your intellect, your ability as a thinking, seeking creature, your mind. That's the chalice and the pattern where the gifts will be placed. And lastly, your will, your conscience, your desire to think and to say and to do that which is good, that which imitates Christ. Your will is the altar. You go down in there now into that very pristine place of worship to offer what we call a sacrifice of praise. And you can make petition and acts of contrition as well, but really the whole thing is praise because the whole thing is grace. And God delights in us being there with him. There on that altar, God, by his word and by his spirit, has desired to write his name, which is unknowable. But its luminosity is there. You can see it. You can feel it. Spend a moment there now. And with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength, and even with all your neighbours, worship him.